0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Two Sisters podcast. Today is Wealth Wellness Wednesday. And as you can see, we only have one sister today. So we're sending good, healthy vibes to Carol Sue. She's unable to be with us today. And, you know, obviously today is Wealth Wellness Wednesday, and we're going to chat about that in just a moment. But first of all, I want to welcome to the Two Sisters podcast. Fred Rutman welcome Fred I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today
1: thank you I'm so excited to be here I don't (laughs) have an extra brother though
0: (laughs) well I have a lot of siblings and I have brothers so today you you are um you're not just a guest you're the film brother how's that sound one sister and a bro how's that sound perfect Okay, so um, I just want to backtrack a little bit, and before I forget to mention, obviously, wealth wellness Wednesday, um, one of Carol Sue's favorite days, of course, and of course, she explains it a lot better than I do. But it's really about the spirit of giving, in such a way to create that ripple effect. It's not about the amount of money. It's by sharing the wealth, and it can be as easy as a dollar six, which is a Um, a cup of coffee down at the local Cumbies, something as simple to brighten someone's day. So without further ado, let's get into today's conversation with Fred. Fred, I know that you, (laughs) excuse me, are an avid intermittent faster. But before we even start talking about that, I want to back it up a little bit further. And when I saw your your email address and I saw your guest registration, by the way, I was like, whoa. So first of all, just enlighten our guests, if, if you would, and tell us where you came up, obviously I know that, but why you came up with that email address and it all stems back to when your story first started.
1: Okay, so maybe we should share my email address if people want to get a hold of me. Yes. So it's repeatedly.dead.fred at gmail.com. And it's a nickname given to me by my friend Deanna, um, because this is actually what happened to me. I have a book coming out in February, March called The Summer I Died 20 Times, where you know, uh, I guess it's a spoiler alert, but it was the summer I died 20 times. So oh I was gosh. clinically dead 20 times. Um, so trying to put a, you know, a more positive lighthearted spin on an, uh, a period that was very dark. Um, that's, uh, that's how she came up with it. And I decided to run with it.
0: And you know what, I, I think that first of all, obviously, we are very sorry to hear that. But out of such a tragic event, you're turning it into something positive, which is monumental. (laughs) And although it has the name, of course, certainly has, I don't want to say comic kind of connotation, but it has a a lightheartedness about Mm -hmm putting a spin on it, not, not dwelling in it, but say, all right, you know, here it is. This happened. Yes, I died 20 times, but here I am today. And that is what I find just so mind blowing about your story. So tell us about the summer, that particular summer.
1: So I was, teaching in a business college, and I was marking economics papers, uh, which if anybody's ever read an economics paper, (laughs) they can feel like you're dying just through that. Um, And I found myself waking up, um, which isn't the perfect term for it and I was exhausted and I was tired and I was confused. I was at my desk, like who, who falls asleep at their desk? And that was the first time I know in hindsight that I died. And, um, and then was fighting to come back to life. And um, it just went downhill from there. Um, I kept having these episodes and they progressed uh, to even when I was mobile, like I could be walking down the street and I'd have one of these events, which I eventually dubbed brainquakes because you'd have just like this huge rumbling in your head. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the Bugs Bunner Roadrunner Hour and Wily Coyote takes the earthquake pills, he's just, um, and that's what it fa- felt like for. a short period of time and then if you've ever seen fighter pilots trying to fight off g-force when they're doing those high speed turns and their vision narrows and it goes then just to black and that's what happened to me and i would collapse and i would hit my head on you know curbs roadways manhole covers whatever was the hardest thing i could possibly hit my head on i managed to find it so um a lot of concussions and as it turns out um my heart was actually stopping so I was getting no oxygen to my brain so that's a really nasty combination uh, Mm. for you know brain health overall health being alive
0: yes it is Mm. I certainly you know with my son's story have um Unfortunately, some uh, you know, I certainly can relate to that, so I, I feel what you're saying on so many different levels.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, when when you came out of it, in other words, you saw a pattern, obviously, you're falling. you know, you you hit your head several times, concussions were you ever diagnosed, as far as your heart goes, were you ever diagnosed with, let's say, oh my gosh, you know, you have this kind of an ailment or what could they relate that, why that was happening to you?
1: It took them quite a while. Um, And you run into this in the medical system, uh, probably any system. Uh, So I'm certainly not bashing the medical system because I kind of need them and I don't want to piss them off um but there was a lot of cognitive bias and ego and it seems like they were trying to fit me into a narrative they had decided what was wrong with me and they were going to figure out how to put my symptoms and my tests to match that narrative um so they kept thinking I was having a heart attack Um, but, you know, people don't have 20 heart attacks over three months. You know, it's just.
0: You don't, yeah, I've never heard of that.
1: Yeah. People don't have recurring heart attacks. You might have a couple in a short period and then it's fatal. Um, but then you also show that there's these enzymes that are released when you have a heart attack. Um, and I don't remember their name right off the top, but there's two of them. And they just weren't showing up in my, in my blood work. So obviously, I wasn't having a heart attack, and but nobody put two and two together to say, okay, maybe we should be looking for something else. And so this kept going on and going on, and I kept getting more beat up and more beat up. And um, then I eventually ended up in a hospital where, just by fluke, they put something on me called a Holter monitor, which monitors you continuously for 48, 72 hours or something. And it's much more in-depth than uh, the telemetry monitors that they put on you uh, when you're in the hospital and you have those little packs and the nursing station knows, you know, where you are and if you've been naughty or nice and all that stuff. Um, And it was serious enough that they wanted to test me. But then they tried to kick me out of the hospital. So we know you're passing out. We know you're hitting your head. We know this is very dangerous. Um, so go home. Like So many things just didn't make sense. So, But I didn't go home. And shortly after they hooked me up, I had a number more episodes. And thankfully it was picked up on this device. And um, that was on Friday morning, I believe. And I gave them the device back on Monday and they had nobody to read it until Tuesday afternoon because of budget cuts. And that's when they found out that my heart was actually stopping. And I've got a condition called full heart block. And I shouldn't have this. This happens to men in their 70s, not in their mid-40s. So basically what it is, is there are electrical nodes in your heart that send signals that tell your atria and ventricles to pump, and that pumps your blood. This electrical system on me was dying, and it stopped telling my heart to pump. So no pump, no blood, no oxygen. Yeah no breathing you're kind of dead
0: and that's called bald as in b-a-l-d bald heart block
1: no i'm bald
0: oh
1: it's called full f-u-l-l full i don't enunciate as well as i used to
0: that's okay that's okay (laughs) i wanted to make sure that i had it correct so it's called a full heart block
1: yeah Anybody can look it up in their favorite search engine. And uh, the Cleveland Clinic has a, a really good video on different levels of it. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's scary. Um, I was on a podcast a few months ago with Dr. Stefan Neff, I believe his name is. He's an ER doctor from Australia, an anesthetist. And sometimes it's better not knowing things. Um, he told me when this happens to people outside a hospital, they have a 1 in 100 chance
2: of surviving. And each subsequent time, your odds go down a lot. So I had this happen a lot. So the odds
1: of me being here are pretty small.
2: So
0: the odds of you... But on the flip side of that,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm so sorry that you had to go, obviously go through all that, but the flip side is now, of course, you know, what's going on and you defied those odds mm-hmm. like, You survive what many people would not have survived.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But- and. You know, the doctors still don't know. I mean, your body, ob- obviously, maybe not so obviously, has a lot of backup systems. Our bodies are very smart and they do whatever they can to protect us, even when we're not doing all we can to protect ourselves. Right. And, uh, But they don't really know why mine took so long to kick in and, and why they kicked in after so long. Because we have a couple of records where I'm three to five minutes without my heart beating. And, uh, you know, that's not a good combo for anything. So um,
0: let me, if I, and I'm, I do apologize for interrupting you, but I really want to make sure that I understand the severity of what you went through, so that, of course, our viewers and listeners. Mm-hmm. But obviously, please correct me if I am wrong. So you're having, you've had these 20 episodes where your heart has stopped for three yeah. to five minutes.
1: I don't think all of them were that long, but the last three or four, for sure. Wow. Um, and, and I know that because I was in the hospital setting at that time. Mm-hmm. And when this would happen, they'd call a code blue which is cardiac incident and then a team swarms into your room and it's not like you see in the movies or tv where in you know a very short period of time everybody who needs to be there is there with all the right tools and all the right medications and all the right diagnostics and testing stuff like these people are all over the hospital you know they've got to come calling and get stuff out of their way. So um, in the last one that I remember, they had enough time to take my roommate out of the room, his entire bed and all, and move equipment in.
2: Like that doesn't happen in 20 seconds. It uh, it takes a while. Wow, uh, I'm,
0: I'm floored.
2: As long as you don't stay floored,
1: then we're good.
0: Yeah, this is true. This is true. The severity of everything that you've been through, the survival, like your survival rate. Have you bought any lottery tickets lately?
1: I have. Unfortunately, my survival rate is much better than my lottery picking rate,
2: but I'm hopeful.
0: Wow. So I'm sure in some way though, you know, you described one of your hospitalizations where you had that monitor and then they found out specifically what was going on. So now you have a, a diagnosis. Did that give you any sort of, I don't want to say comfort, but it, did it give you like a a sort of comfort where you're like, Okay, this is pretty serious shit, but at least I know exactly what I have and what is going on.
1: I think it did, but to be honest, my brains were so scrambled at that point that I really didn't understand that I was dying and how serious um, my situation was. I just had too many concussions and. My brain was just not functioning. Um, it knocked an entire language out of my head. So, uh, you know, uh, my speech was slurred. My balance was off. My depth perception was off. I was losing words. I was never great at recognizing people. And, and that was even worse after all this. Um, you know, I would get... Overwhelmed. It's called flooding, where you just get emotionally flooded and you sort of become paralyzed. Um, It was just uh, overall nasty. But the crazy thing about this is the doctors knew this was happening and never one cognitive test, never a head MRI, X ray, CT scan, visit by a neurologist. They just Mm -hmm concentrated on the heart issue and then okay we fixed you we gave you a pacemaker see you in you know 20 years or whatever um
2: and no treatment plan it was just up to me
0: wow so you would mention that you couldn't get the language out of your head
1: sorry i'll rephrase I had a not a language knocked out of my
0: head. Language knocked out of your head. Yeah. And and you refer to that as flooding? No. Although we're talking two separate things.
2: Two separate things. Okay.
0: All right. I'm glad I asked that question. So when you say (laughs) the language was knocked out of your head, can you describe that a little bit more?
1: Sure. So I'm Jewish. And so we pray ideally three times a day. Um, I'm not so ideal. I pray twice a day and I do the afternoon and evening prayers. And our prayer books are in Hebrew. So I went to Hebrew school starting grade, uh, I guess, kindergarten. So I've been reading Hebrew for a long, long time. And my friends brought me my prayer, prayer book and I opened it up to the appropriate section and I started to try to read it. And I didn't have a clue. I couldn't understand the letters, how they went together. It was, it was just shocking to me. I mean, in Judaism, there's something like 70 different names for God. And some of them are more common than other. I, I, had no recognition of any of these things. And that's really when I started to get a little worried and started to you know, grasp that there's a lot of damage here. And I wonder what else I'm not seeing.
0: Have you ever been to a neurologist specialist? Like, did they maybe say with all these concussions that you have a TBI, a traumatic brain injury, or anything of that nature, which would cognitively impair that part of the brain. Um, And I'm not sure exactly what part of the brain does the language. I used to know all this stuff by the back Mm -hmm. of my hand. But, you know, were you ever seen by not neurologists?
1: Not, not specifically for this. Um, But I don't think you need a neurological uh scan to to know when you've lost functions
2: oh exactly
1: yeah and and here's one thing i've learned about doctors um big generalization
2: (laughs) if they can't see a test result it doesn't exist to them so you can tell them everything and they're just like yeah i don't believe you
0: So you're not only dealing with a very rare condition early in your 40s, something that is absolutely mind-blowing, died 20 times. I can't write these notes fast enough. (laughs) And what I find so very well, the, the, your whole story is fascinating, but there must've been really when you were describing that the language was knocked out of your head and you were describing how you went to Hebrew Hebrew school and your friends um, brought your book to you and you didn't know or recognize what you were reading. I'm upset about that. Like, I I can't even obviously imagine what it was like for you. And I just think to lose what is so spiritually something that you grew up with, with your faith and with your prayer, that must have been more than just frightening, as you've described. I, I can't even imagine.
1: Well, actually, I've never thought about it in exactly the way you've just posed it. So now I'm even more upset.
0: Oh, I didn't mean to upset you.
2: <laughs> so it's I'm, all good.
0: Oh my gosh. Um, your story is... I'm so glad that you are writing a book. hmm And you said that's coming out, (laughs) excuse me, in February or March of 2023?
1: Yes. So as soon as we're done, I'm back to doing some editing.
0: Awesome. So where are you in, in, you said editing. So are you completely done writing it? You're just in the process of still editing?
1: Yes. Uh, I finished writing it a while ago. And then you go through the search for publishers. And I found... um, A very nice publisher out of Texas um, that's taking on the project and um, I just have to do a finalish edit on my part and for those of you who are looking to write books now um, they have AI software that's pretty sophisticated that'll do you know a first or second sweep of your book and look for all the grammar and mispunctuation and words that it doesn't understand. Um, if you're a younger writer and you want to put cray cray in your book, it doesn't understand that.
0: You know, there's always an app for that, isn't? It? I always say that, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll have to chat about that in our little post podcast chat because um, I'm kind of nerdy with stuff like that, so I need to know exactly what it is mm-hmm. now. So now you're going through this, you start, obviously, you've done some research and you had mentioned that intermittent fast, you know, you started intermittent fasting. Tell us about your journey with that. And when you made that connection, like, hey, I'm feeling better. Like, what was that like for you?
1: So that started in 2018. I was going to, uh, I was at uh, an appointment with my cardiologist, who I see way too often, and uh, he likes to cycle, so I codenamed everybody in the book. His name is Dr. Petals. Um, (laughs) So I was in his office, and he walks in, and he throws this book at me, so I don't know if you can see it.
0: The obesity code, okay.
1: By dr jason fung okay f-u-n-g
0: okay
1: he's a nephrologist kidney specialist here in toronto and a lot of his patients come to him because they're type 2 diabetic and they're losing kidney function and they're losing limbs and once they tell you you're type 2 diabetic it's always you're chronic and you're going to be on insulin for the rest of your life and life's just going to go downhill and you know, you're just going to get hit by a shit storm and have no quality life at the end. And he found, he did some research on intermittent fasting. And he found that it could reverse these conditions. So one of the first times I ended up in the hospital, they tested my blood and they found out I was actually type two diabetic. And it's one of those silent diseases. Most of us don't even know you have it
2: mm-hmm. because
1: there's no overt symptoms until things get really bad. So they put me on insulin immediately, like this massive dose. And, um, and then I was on insulin from 2009 till 2018. Once I got the okay from all my doctors to start intermittent fasting, and the original
2: goal was just to help me lose some weight, I was off insulin within six months.
0: Wow. That's pretty yeah. significant. You were, you came off of insulin after six months.
1: Yes. I haven't been on. So that was November 2018. And I haven't touched a needle of any sort except to fix my socks.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And how are you feeling since you started this intermittent fasting journey?
1: I've never felt, felt better. Um, I probably feel as good as when I was in my 20s and I was playing hockey and football and college rugby. Um, I don't have an ache or pain in my body. And considering I played all those sports and have had all this medical trauma, because we've left out a whole number of surgeries. Um, sure. and you know, at one point I was 340 pounds. I mean, I'm only five foot seven. So for, you know, that was a lot of abuse on my body. And I thought all my aches and pains were just because I've played all these contact sports and was very heavy
0: mm-hmm.
1: within about three months of me starting intermittent fasting. Everything was going away. I I used to have trouble getting out of bed in the morning, like physically, because every joint in my body would ache. I have nothing now, not an ache, not a pain. My asthma went away. My sleep apnea went away. My migraines went away. And it's not just me with this type of story. Um, I was a moderator in the Delay Don't Deny uh, Facebook group based on the book Delay, Don't Deny by Jen Stevens. And there was 335,000 people in that group. Uh, I think about 96% of them are female or however they identify. Um, But uh, we'd hear stories like this across the board. Women would tell us they're, gotta be careful here, I always mess up this word. They're cesarean scars. Mm-hmm. My first inclination is to say circumcision. <laughs> that's <the> wrong operation.
0: <laughs> yeah, wrong operation Fred.
1: <laughs> so but women are saying cesarean scars they've had for you know 30 years are starting to fade and other scars are starting to fade and my scars have started to fade. I, I have a lot less scarring than people I know who had similar surgeries at the same time. That's because intermittent fasting initiates, An advanced process called autophagy and like i said our bodies are smart so it knows it makes mistakes and it makes mistakes with proteins and protein strands get folded up in the body and just get stored in our cells and when they do that it's like getting you know your pipes clogged in the house and your cells don't run Properly in general, autophagy hunts down these folded-over proteins and eats them up and repurposes them and cleans out your cells. When you intermittent fast, it speeds up that process. It's like going from driving in a school zone to you know being able to drive on the freeway. And that's what's happening with these scars getting removed because they're collagen and which are really proteins. And uh, when your autophagy is ramped up, it's just clearing out everything. And it's just amazing.
0: Wow. Um, You are obviously very knowledgeable about number one, what you've been through, how you went through the process of, you know, finding out about intermittent fasting through that book that you mentioned, you know, through the uh, Facebook group. When people hear about your story and you mentioned that you've been on other podcasts, what is one thing you think that they take away from that?
2: I think
1: a lot of people aren't sure if I'm serious or not. Like they don't know if this is fiction or is this is real because it is so out there. Even when I'd go back into the hospital for, subsequent issues a lot of doctors don't believe me they you know and they won't read your charts i don't know the purpose of them you know taking all these notes and creating these charts when they just won't read the charts and they waste so much time asking you the same questions over and over again um people i'm hoping are, are inspired by my story uh how i haven't given up and uh, I'm trying to use what's happened to me to change other people's lives for the better, particularly with sharing the intermittent fasting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, as my fasting mentor Jen Stevens says, it's the health plan with a side benefit of weight loss.
0: I love that health yeah. plan with the side benefit of weight weight loss.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a diet you know, we, nobody tells you what to eat. When you fast for a while, and I'm talking about like calendar while, not like a 12 hour fast or 14 hour fast, your body systems just, uh, what's the right word? Um, they reset and your hormones come more into balance and you can get more in touch with your natural hunger signals and satiety signals and your brain fog clears up and all sorts of things like that and it's just you don't realize how crappy you felt Mm -hmm. and and how impaired your body was until you have something to compare it to and then you're like wow this is what living is supposed to be like
0: that's amazing and when when you said that like your eyes just went like Mm -hmm. I felt the depth of what you were saying so thank you for sharing that Mm
2: -hmm.
0: now I know that you are coaching in the coaching process you coaches you know anywhere from 18 years old I believe it was to you know all the way up to you know someone in their 80s I believe your bio said
2: Mm -hmm.
0: what has been and that's fascinating like and as you said you're using your story to inspire others and but also sharing the benefits that you receive just from internet intermittent fasting. Mm
1: -hmm. Um sorry, I zoned out for a second there.
0: That's okay. (laughs) So, you know, you're coaching and Mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, when you're coaching someone, they hear your story. They I'm sure they obviously take bits and parts of that, but they they start the procedure of intermittent fasting. And then let's say, you know, when they're done with the coaching process, or maybe even through the coaching process, what has been one revelation for them that maybe they have shared with you? Like, I didn't know I can feel so good.
1: Um, it's different for everybody because we're all bio individuals and we've all had different histories of, you know, and this is more on the female side they've done tons of yo-yo dieting and that
2: right makes it
1: harder to recover from um i
2: have a friend who has chronic kidney stones like really you know
1: crushing crippling make you fall on the floor pain and uh he's lost probably 25 pounds and While they haven't gotten rid of all the kidney stones, their frequency and the size of them has certainly gone down.
2: So, you know, maybe in a couple of years, it'll progress even further. Um,
1: I just had an experience with a friend who had some serious neuropathy in his feet, and I got him fasting just before the pandemic and I saw him last weekend, and I I was surprised to see him out, because I know how hard it was for him to walk, and I said, I'm sort of disappointed that fasting hasn't done more to heal your neuropathy, because I know it has for me. He says, well, you don't know that it hasn't. You don't know what my pain levels are. I mean, every year, it would get worse and worse and worse, and since I've been fasting, it sort of plateaued and stepped back a bit. So yeah, they still hurt, but not nearly what they did, you know, th- roughly three years ago. And you know, that made me astounded and very happy at the same
2: time.
0: I I I bet that it, di- it did because now, you know, you're seeing you're sharing your knowledge and your expertise of what you went through sharing it with others in such a way that they take action in their lives and their lives are changing
2: Mm -hmm. yeah very satisfying
0: yeah extremely satisfying fred where can um obviously you gave us (coughs) excuse me your email address at the beginning of the podcast and i will make sure obviously that gets in the show notes But where are you in social media? Like how can our um, guests further get in contact with you?
1: They can find my um, Instagram, uh, which is repeatedly dead Fred. There's a theme here. Yeah. Um, And I'm, I'm actually a little behind on my social media because I wasn't expecting any of this to happen. I really didn't plan to write a book and I really didn't plan to get in the podcasting world and. Have this plan for global domination and stuff like that
0: but you know what it was meant to happen this way i firmly believe that because mm-hmm. your story there's so many stories behind that which are yet to be told but when your book comes out
2: yeah
1: so i'm not sure did i show you jen steven's book or other i'm books? not
0: sure show okay. it again though it's Fast, Feast, Repeat
1: by Jen Stevens. So she's my fasting mentor. She, it was her group that I moderated in or coached in on Facebook. This is a New York Times bestseller. So it's usually her or Dr. Fung that's number one or number two in this realm of a book, whatever this realm of book is. So, um, and she's been fantastic and she has a podcast intermittent fasting stories wow And you particularly want to uh, she's been on hundreds of podcasts she's hosted and been on um I say probably her most epic podcast is number 17
0: number 17 okay
1: of course that's my podcast
0: ah I was gonna say I think we're leading somewhere I love that and I will certainly take um a look at that as well Fred all these
1: stories are amazing
0: oh my god I three over three hundred thousand people in that group. like I I imagine this virtual event and all these people just like sharing their stories and everybody just listening in awe.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that is fascinating. Your story is fascinating. And what's even more fascinating is that you're continuing to share what you are passionate about and helping others. And that is truly amazing. I want to thank you so much for being on the two sisters podcast today. Hope that you, (laughs) excuse me, hope that you will definitely consider coming back again. And I'm sorry that you weren't able to meet Carol. So at this time, so, you know, we need to make sure that, you know, she'll be on the next time and we send her all wellness and good wishes um, thank you, Fred. It's This has been an amazing conversation.
1: You're welcome. And this brother very much appreciates you having me on and giving people like me a platform to help spread their, their positivity throughout the world.
0: It has been our honor and privilege. Thank you so much. Well, folks, this has been another great podcast. And this is one of those podcasts, of course, that I will definitely listen to again. Fred's story it's still evolving yet he was somewhere he's here today and is inspiring others and I just think that that is absolutely fascinating my name is Janice aka wellness diva 5.0 and Carol Sue aka Nanny boss and we hope to see you again real soon thank you again Fred. and my remember pleasure. if you have a story to share let us know go to our website, www.twosystas.online. Thank you so much, everyone. And we'll see you again real soon. Bye for now.